0: Mr. McKay read earlier from one of the most well-known and beloved passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. There's no greater comfort than knowing the God of Scripture and walking with God. But even so, that doesn't alleviate the tension that we sometimes feel as we face hardships in this life. It doesn't alleviate the tension of of testing. When trouble comes, when pain and suffering are felt, when disaster strikes, when we feel forgotten... In these circumstances, will we continue to display unwavering faith in the God who never leaves us, the God who never forsakes us, the God who never forgets us? You know, we do as believers have a hope that pervades any and every circumstance that we may face in this life. But in the midst of difficulty, we often need to be reminded of that hope. We need to be reminded of the hope that we have in in Christ. We need to be reminded that present circumstances are not all that there is. In fact, we need to be reminded that God is with us, that he is faithful, that he is often working in ways that we do not see, and perhaps even for reasons that we do not presently understand. And this was certainly true in the life of Joseph, and we're going to look at his life together this morning. So let me invite you to open your Bible with me to... The first book of the Bible, Genesis, will be in chapter 40 this morning, Genesis chapter 40, as we continue the story that we've been tracing, as we continue looking at the life of Joseph in a message series titled, When God Writes Your Story. As you find your place in Genesis chapter 40, let me invite you to stand with me uh, for the reading of God's Word. Genesis chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, God's Word reads this way. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Now, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning. He saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in in his master's house. Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. Verse 12, this is what it means. Joseph said to him, the three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Father, we do ask you now to lead us and to guide us and to to direct us by the power of your spirit as we seek to understand this story and the truths of your word, timeless truths that impact our lives even today as followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. This is the continuation of the story from which Ben preached uh, last week during this time, and we have seen that though Joseph, who has found himself as a slave in Egypt, uh, though he had risen to great influence as a servant of uh, Potiphar, one of the highest officials in the land, uh, he's been dealt another unfortunate set of circumstances. He has been wrongly accused of pursuing Potiphar's wife, and as a result, he landed in prison. Once again, Joseph is a victim of other things. He is a victim. He has been a victim of his father's favoritism. He has been a victim of his brother's hatred and jealousy. And now he has become a victim of uh, a wrongful accusation uh, by Potiphar's wife. And so here he is in prison. And in prison, he meets two other characters. Two other men are introduced into the story, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. The chief cupbearer was the one who was responsible for ensuring that the king's uh, drink was always safe and suitable. And the king's baker was responsible for preparing his meal, making sure his, his, his meal was safe and uh, satisfying. And so for some reason, and we certainly don't know why, perhaps the king had a really bad meal, a meal that he did not enjoy. These two characters find themselves in prison alongside Joseph. And we're told that they were thrown into the very same prison where Joseph was, and Joseph uh, was instructed to attend to them. Now, throughout his life, up until this point, Joseph has experienced uh, periods of prosperity. But overall, we would probably say that he has been uh, dealt a pretty bad hand of cards, so to speak. Uh, he is estranged from his family. His father thinks he's dead. His brothers hate him. His mother died when he was still a boy. He's been sold as a slave in a foreign land, and now he's been falsely accused and thrown into prison. He's not had a smooth and easy life up until now, for the circumstances of his life have been almost continuously uh, serving to discourage his faith in God. And church, likewise... As believers who are living in this world, walking on this earth, we will experience circumstances that discourage our faith. We too, like Joseph, will experience circumstances in this life that serve to discourage our faith. Cancer. Death. Disease. Job loss. Broken families addiction. The list could go on and on. It's no secret that this life is filled with ups and with downs. It's filled with mountains and with valleys. It's filled with times of encouragement and times of frustrations. But we're offered guidance in God's Word as we, as people of faith, seek to navigate these circumstances, seek to navigate these experiences. In fact, we're given great guidance from David and others through the Psalms. We're encouraged to to be honest and open before God, to share our frustrations, to share our joys, but also to share our heartaches with God, to be transparent with Him, for God is not displeased with our honesty. He's not displeased when we share with Him our, our deepest emotions. It's obvious that this world is filled with hurts and with hardships. So let's acknowledge pain and suffering. Let's acknowledge pain and suffering in this life. Let's not ignore it. Let's not pretend that it's not there. Let's not pretend that it doesn't exist. I watched a fascinating documentary this past week between uh, the band U2's lead singer Bono and Christian pastor and author Eugene Peterson. And these two have recently come together as, as close friends, and the subject that brought them together was the Word of God, more specifically, the Psalms. And in that interview, uh, Bono says that he's a bit frustrated with uh, and a bit disappointed with much of Christian music and Christian art because he believes that it fails to address oftentimes the reality of human hurt, of human pain, of human emotions, and suffering, and portraying that through music and art before God. Citing the Psalms, he says that God desires us to be truthful with Him. Not to be disrespectful or irreverent, that's a whole, totally different thing, but to be honest before God. Pouring out frustrations and hardships and joys as well as sufferings before God. And likewise, Peterson in that interview says, referring to the message of the Psalms, he says they're not pretty They're not nice, but they're honest. God invites us to be honest with Him, to express our honest and open feelings before Him. In fact, listen to Psalm 77 and how this psalm begins. Psalm 77, verses 1 and 2 read, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. And I would not be comforted. The psalmist says, I cried out for God to help me. I'm in danger. I'm suffering. I cried out. God, help me. Help me. All night I cried out to God. And even so, I was not comforted, he writes. That psalm continues. And at the end of that psalm, the psalmist is portraying trust and comfort and confidence in God. But it's not because of his present circumstances. It's not because of the danger and suffering that he's experiencing right now. He looks beyond his present circumstances and remembers God's faithfulness in the past. In church, often we have to do the same things. Often we're called to look beyond our present circumstances to the faithfulness of God over the years. Church, we're fortunate this morning as we journey through this story, as we walk through this text, to have two special guests with us, helping us understand the truths of this passage. And these are uh, two guests that many of you Uh, Know well. I'm going to invite you to hear from them. So direct your attention to the screens for a couple moments.
1: I was blessed to be born into a Christian home with a godly father and mother, and I we went to church real early. I was baptized at the time when um, I felt the uh, love of Jesus, but over the period of time my faith has of course increased with different circumstances and the greatest one I think is my prayer life I spend a good 45 minutes every morning with the Lord in my living room and um, we have some wonderful talks and he um, listens and he helps and um, I feel real real close to him and that has been maturing over the recent years, more than
2: the early years. In December of 14, I broke my ankle. And I had to have surgery. And then later, I got an infection in that ankle. Had to have surgery again. I had to go to rehab for six weeks and never once did I say why me but a lot of people said to me you're never down and I think it was because my church family the people drove me to the doctor and They brought me food. It was wonderful. And I hope our congregation knows what a wonderful church family we have. And then sometime the 1st of July, I came to Sunday school. Before Sunday school started, I fainted. They called the paramedics. That was another something I had never gone through. And then the last of July, I had a small stroke. But in all that, I have never said, why me? Because I know it rains on the just and the unjust. have had
1: a uh, very happy marriage until, as Betty said, Ross passed away um, 11 years ago. And um, I, I was, in a way, prepared for his illness because he was ill for so long. And I had wonderful people come to the house, uh, especially... Um, uh, you know, men that were in the medical field and would explain to, to me what was going on in Ross's life. But then when he actually passed away, I um, searched the Bible for some help and came across an Isaiah where it says, the Lord will be your husband. And I really have hung on to that all these years.
0: Church, though we will all experience circumstances that serve to discourage our faith, we are all called to demonstrate our faith in all circumstances. We're called to demonstrate our faith in God in all circumstances uh, of of life. And so here in Genesis chapter 40, uh, Joseph had opportunity to demonstrate his faith despite being in a difficult circumstance. So we're told that he encountered these two other gentlemen. He encountered the cupbearer and uh, the baker. And he notices, as he attends to them, he notices that they are dejected one morning, that they are depressed, that they are down, that they are frustrated. And so he inquires uh, as to the source of their frustration. And they begin to tell him that they each had a dream the night before. And they know that these were significant dreams, but there's no one there, because they're in prison, to interpret these dreams for them. Now, in the ancient world, it was often believed that dreams were the source of divine revelation. And we know here in Genesis and elsewhere in much of Scripture that God spoke to people uh, through dreams. In fact, there were professional dream interpreters in that world. And because they were confined to prison, these two, believing they had heard from God, uh, were disappointed. They were frustrated. They were upset because there was no such professional interpreter uh, at their disposal, at least uh, not one that they knew of. And so Joseph then, uh, reflecting his faith in God, says, don't interpretations belong to God? And he begins to offer an interpretation to these dreams from God. It's not Joseph who is interpreting these dreams as if he has some superstitious power, but God is interpreting these dreams and he is using Joseph. Joseph has this ready-made opportunity to demonstrate his faith in God. God is providentially working and orchestrating these circumstances and working through these circumstances to give Joseph the opportunity to demonstrate his faith, despite a difficult circumstance. And likewise, church, God gives opportunities that test our faith. The Bible is clear in this, that God often gives opportunities and orchestrates circumstances in our lives as believers to test our faith. We don't always know why God allows what He allows, but we do know that He often uses circumstances in our lives to test our strength, to test our, our faith, and to strengthen our, our faith. James chapter 1, verses 2 and following, instruct us as believers, saying, Consider it pure joy. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds... Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then told, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Church, this reminds me of a recent advertisement that I've seen uh, from Burger King uh, advertising uh, a 10-piece nuggets for $1.49. Anybody else notice that? Anybody else seen that? Um not maybe a few of you, not too many. Uh, I don't I normally don't notice these things very well, but this one really stood out to me. 10 pieces of uh chicken for uh $1.49. In fact, after the first some um, service, uh, somebody pointed out to me that they actually don't say chicken in that advertisement. They just say 10 piece nuggets and I want you to know that, uh, I like a good deal, probably about as much as anyone. I don't have anything against Burger King, uh, but I do not want ten pieces of chicken if they only cost a dollar forty-nine. Uh, that tells me that there's something seemingly wrong with that product. There's something seemingly inauthentic about a product like that, chicken like that, that cost a dollar forty-nine. Now, Uh, inauthentic chicken is not really worth pursuing. A good chicken nugget, yes, delicious, pursue it. Um, And likewise, I'm getting sidetracked here, likewise, uh, a shallow faith, an inauthentic faith is not worth a whole lot, but an authentic, mature faith in God is worth pursuing. And the Bible teaches us... That this type of faith only comes through testing. And when tested, the scriptures reveal that the faithful respond by demonstrating their faith. The faithful respond to testing by demonstrating their faith in in God. And that's exactly what Joseph does right here. In fact, you'll remember that Joseph had a couple of dreams of his own recorded back in Genesis chapter 37, dreams that conveyed that he would one day be in some superior position, that his brothers would bow down in submission to him. And now more than a decade has passed and it appears as if there's no outward physical affirmation that these dreams are going to come about. It would only be natural that Joseph would question whether this dream or these dreams were really from God and. As if God was really working in his life, but he continues steadfastly trusting in God. So much so that he offers to to give these interpretations of these dreams from God for these other two. But even so, he continues in frustration. You can hear the frustration in his voice. In verses 14 and 15, when he tells the cupbearer, he says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness mention me to Pharaoh, mention me to the king, and get me out of this prison, was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. In other words, forcibly carried off into slavery. He says, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. But despite his circumstances, church, Joseph displays, he exercises unwavering faith in, in God. And friends, when earthly circumstances test your faith, when earthly circumstances test our faith, let's ask God to give us greater faith. Ask God to give you greater faith in Him. You see, the reality is that faith is is really counter uh, to our sinful nature. It's not real natural to us to trust in what we don't know, to trust in what we don't see. Faith is a gift from God, so let's ask God to give us an increased faith, a greater faith in Him. Remember the story of Jesus healing a demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus is talking to that boy's father. And his father says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Church, we're called on to demonstrate our faith in any and all circumstances. And as we continue to think about demonstrating faith, let's turn our attention to our two special guests once again as we hear from them and how they have demonstrated their faith over the years. I
2: went to the kindergarten class to visit. And Jane and Ross were teaching that month. And I just fell in love with them. And then I moved my membership to Meadowbrook in December of 04. And then when God called uh, Ross home in June of 05, i told jane that when she got ready to go back to the kindergarten class i would go with her so we had a rotation system for a while but i don't know how long we've been in there now uh, teaching all the time we don't rotate out into our adult class which that has been our nature because Jane has told our new parents at the first of the Sunday school year that we have over a hundred years' service, but I don't know where she gets that because I'm 29, she's 28. I
1: taught for a while. I also was um, director of um, the weekday preschool at Talibur Baptist Church in Houston, Texas for a long time. And then, of course, here, when I, Ross and I moved to Birmingham, it wasn't too late when I became director of the weekday preschool here in our church for 13 years. And I'm still very involved with preschoolers in that, as you Betty said, we've been teaching together for a long time, and I leave the chapel services at weekday preschool in a, um, every Wednesday morning. And when I looked out one day and counted 34 children in the music room, and here I am leading, I mean, it, it really just, I knew where my strength was coming from. And I also have to say that Muffy and Fluffy, who are my hand puppets, are my backup.
0: Church, we are called to demonstrate our faith in any and all circumstances. And finally, when it comes to our faith, we see from Genesis chapter 40 that God's faithfulness should also encourage our faith. God's faithfulness should encourage our faith. So look with me at the conclusion of this portion of Joseph's story. Genesis chapter 40, uh, picking up the story in verse 20. There God's word reads this way. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Phrase, out of sight, out of mind, certainly rung true in the life of this cupbearer who was released from prison just as Joseph had predicted, but yet forgot about Joseph. In fact, as the story goes on, and we'll see this next week in chapter 41, two more years passed before Joseph was remembered in prison. Now, this appears to be a massive letdown, a, a, a massive... Uh, negative conclusion to to this particular story. And on the surface, it certainly is. As this man had forgotten Joseph, it naturally would lead us to ask the question and lead Joseph to ask the question in his situation, had God also forgotten Joseph? And the reality is that God had not forgotten Joseph because God never forgets. God is faithful. And God would continue encouraging Joseph's faith, giving him just enough encouragement here through the fulfillment of these dreams for Joseph to know that that God had interpreted those dreams and that God is faithful and that God would continue to be faithful. So, friends, as followers of Jesus Christ and believers in this God, let's read the Bible with an eye for God's faithfulness, knowing that he is a faithful God. Let's read his word. Let's read the scriptures. Read the Bible with an eye for his faithfulness. God is faithful. And he is the one who has called you into fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. And with that being said, let's hear from our guests one final time.
1: person stop, get down on your knees, and look up, and thank God for everything that you can think of that's positive in your life, your family, your health, your income, or just having a friend, and to look at the life on a positive side and not on a, a negative
0: as we've been encouraged to do here by Miss Jane, when our own lives and faith seem to be discouraged, let's reflect on God's faithfulness. Reflect on God's faithfulness in your life. And the reality is when when your team loses, God has not forgotten you. When the IRS says that you owe more money, God has not forgotten you when the PET scan shows that the cancer has spread, God has not forgotten you. When life begins to fall apart, when death comes knocking, the family falls apart, when debt overtakes you, when a child rebels, God has not forgotten you. For we serve a God who who has always been faithful, who is faithful and will continue to be faithful forevermore. Church, we live in a culture that prods us and encourages us constantly to, to pursue greatness, to never give up, to continue on in the face of adversity. and To some extent, that encouragement is a positive thing. Not to give up, to continue on, to continue pursuing, but not when it's simply pursuing personal ambitions or earthly things, but when it is informed by faith in the Almighty God who always remembers and who never forsakes. When it's informed by faith in the God who is writing your story and my story for His glory, then yes, let's pursue that. Let's pursue that faith. For the Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing. He maketh us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He is the one who restores our souls. Friends, even though we sometimes walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil for we know that he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He, pre- he prepares a table before us in the presence of Our enemies, he anoints our head with oil, our cup overflows, and surely his goodness and his love will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, I think we are seeing from God's word in Genesis chapter 40 this morning that those who trust in the Lord demonstrate their faith in discouraging circumstances. Those who trust in the Lord continue to demonstrate faith in him even in discouraging circumstances circumstances there once was a man who endured great suffering yet he continued to display faith there once was a man who sweat drops of blood because he knew the agony that awaited him there once was a man who prayed to God Father, if, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Church, Jesus Christ was tested and tempted and tried and suffered. Yet he continued to display unwavering faith, steadfast faith in the plans of God, plans that reveal his overwhelming and incredible love for each of us. I want to ask you this morning, are you trusting in that one? Are you trusting in that God, the only God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is with us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows all things and who is capable of all things and a God who is faithful. A God who has been working long before any of us arrived and a God who continues to work to bring about the fulfillment of your great plans, plans that involve us and our well-being and your glory. Father, we thank you that you are trustworthy and that you are worthy of our praise. Father, hear our praise now as we respond to you, as we declare your greatness, as we surrender to you, as we remember the grace that you have shown us through the blood of Jesus Christ, grace that is greater even than our sin. Hear our praise now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.